Thanks for listening to the Piercing Talk Show. My name is David Angelus, and I pierce out a talisman tattoo in Plymouth, England. I've been piercing full-time for five years, and I'm a member of the United Kingdom Association of Professional Piercers. As an avid historian, as well as a piercer, I wanted to document the past of our industry, as well as collate the voices of today. I've invited some friends, colleagues, and industry idols to come speak to me about their experiences in the historic and modern British piercing industry, in hopes that we can all grow as piercers by learning about where we've been. Um, welcome to week nine of Piercing Talk Show. I really am going to have to start, start, stop saying uh, welcome to week because I very, very much forget which week it is every single week I do this intro now. Uh, so for next week, I'm just going to say welcome to the Piercing Talk Show. Um, um, uh, I wanted to start this week just because I think this is the first week I've done this um, where uh, uh, we've had a date where we can go back to work or might go back to work, which is um, a, April, the Swift, uh, April the 12th. <laughs> for um uh, for for anyone who wouldn't be familiar with that, um and just off the back of like a couple of conversations that I've had this week, I wanted to make it like quite um I don't have to phrase this really like whatever feelings you have about that are perfectly valid. Um, like if you are nervous, I mean, uh, for, I was very lucky that I was in an area that never really fell beyond tier two in the tier system. So um, I've probably been piercing longest in the last 12 months than I almost, and quite a few other piercers. Um, but that is still four and a half months piercing in the last 13 months. Um, and that's terrifying. Like if I'm really, really honest, like not only am I nervous, but I almost feel a little bit like I don't want to go back to work. Um, and, um, I regrettably took some orders for some, um, slightly more advanced, um, for technically speaking piercings, um, before we closed. So when we open up, I've got to go straight back from like, I'm not going to get a nice week of like practicing on helixes and well, not practicing, but like just getting my confidence back on like helixes and, and, and lobes and things like that. I, uh, straight into like some large gauge genital work and stuff like that, which is, um, I, I, I could see myself delaying that, I really can, um, and, and saying, like, you know, we'll do it three, four weeks' time once I'm just, a, uh, my confidence is back again, you know? Um, so, obviously, everyone's excited, but if you're not, that's that's perfectly valid, you know? Um, we'll, we'll get through it, we'll go back, and then in a couple of weeks' time, you know, we'll always all feel like, ah, oh, well, you know, why, why was I ever nervous? Like, this is my profession, I've got this, I'm good at this. Um, so, um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there and, and make sure that everyone knew that um, whatever feelings you you have about going to back to work are are, are super super valid, um, and there's nothing wrong um, with not feeling excited. There really isn't if you don't feel that way. Of course, there's nothing wrong with feeling excited either. So if you're excited, brilliant, really happy for you. Um, and I know we'll all really enjoy it when we get back to it. Um, this week um, we've got Tash from Body Jewelry Limited in Bournemouth, um, or more commonly um, colloquially known as Wholesale. Um, I, until I did this interview, didn't realise quite what a history in this industry Tash has. Um, Tash started, um, I mean, I won't tell her story too much, but I mean, this is someone who got into making and selling body jewellery um, in the early 90s, and she has just a phenomenal amount um, of, um, a, a, of industry experience, which she can share with everyone, um, especially when it comes to the history and the industry. She has seen near enough every change that has happened and been at the the forefront of, of, of every change that's happened in this industry um in britain 
since you know since since the early 90s and uh, that's a really incredible amount of experience and some really incredible stories about the early days of the industry which um there's very few other places that you can get now um the other thing that I um I, I, as a lot of people are aware whenever wholesale come up um it tends to prompt a lot of debate um a lot of discussion and um there are some criticisms which which often get bandied around quite a lot um and one of the reasons that I wanted to do this with uh, do do the interview um was that I, I I always think it's only fair that if you're if you have a criticism of a company or someone's business it's only fair to supply that to them directly um and um in many cases most of these people or one most of the criticism that you have of uh, whether it be a jewelry company or a needle company or whatever um you know they want to hear it they want to learn they want to grow um and if you're just kind of whinging about it in industry forums um rather than actually speaking to them and saying hey i you know i like your products but actually they could they could be better in this way or um even i don't like your products and i won't buy them until this happens um, then, you know, go and give them that feedback. Um, and, and Tash was not only really open to it, but happy to discuss it on uh, a very public forum such as this. So, um, yeah, it's a really great interview. Um, I hope you all enjoy it, and I will see you at the end. Okay, so I'm here with um, with Tash from Wholesale Body Jewelry. Um, do you want to um, introduce yourself a little bit, Tash? Yeah, hi, I'm Tash, and I'm co-owner of uh, Body Jewelry Limited, Wholesale Body Jewelry, and uh, really pleased to be here. Cool. Um, so we'll start a little bit on early life, just because I always think it's nice to know where everyone came from, you know? Um, where did you grow up? Because you're in, um, Wholesale's in, in Bournemouth now, right? Yeah, I grew up down here. Okay. Um, so I grew up in Dorset. Hence, a bit of an accent, and um, and then I moved away at eighteen. I went to college in Manchester, and I uh, studied a degree up there. And in my third year, I then started a business, which was kind of very bohemian. And just in the corn exchange before the Manchester bomb. Okay. And yeah, so that was quite a long time ago, and. Uh, I was my partner was an astrologer and I took over his waiting room and started selling like hip, hippie stuff. Okay. Uh, so that was back in 1990, and and then everything kind of developed from there, really. And eventually, then I came back when I had my first child when he was two. I came back down to Dorset because I wanted to be near my parents. Cool. So when you say like hippie stuff, is that like? inside sticks uh like dream catchers christmas stuff like that or is it a little bit more yeah i mean it was sort of um so i was quite new age and it was like tarot cards and okay. um crystals crystal jewelry so i got into then designing jewelry um making jewelry and uh you know doing astrology astrology charts and yes yeah, so there was incense and all sorts of stuff really essential oils back before essential oils really took okay. off we were bottling essential oils and doing all that stuff so yeah just all sorts of you know i made candles you know i was just a proper hippie cool 
Um, did it complement your degree quite nicely? What did you What did you do in your degree? If you don't mind asking. Yeah, I did um, sociology and politics, and then I also did philosophy, but I did drop that. Yeah, fair enough. Three subjects, and you know, I condensed it down. So yeah, I finished my degree. I actually finished it cool. while I was, you know, had this little shop going on. I did the same actually with the studio. I I um I went self-employed in my last year of uni because it seemed a little bit less risky. I had student income of like student finance income for if the piercing really went horribly wrong, like or my at least my own piercing business went horribly wrong. <laughs> I at least had the student income which can support me. Yeah, that's it. I use my because I'm so old. I had a student grant. Okay. Um, I was the last year of the grants, and uh, and I used my grant to actually start my business, and then funded myself, you know, with the bit of money that I was getting. That's exactly what I did. Actually, I paid my fees with. I've just used my loan to set up the business, and then, um, yeah, paid it sometimes uh, when I was. Uh, yeah, making money off 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 piercing. Um, so um, yeah, when? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this year. We'll take a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, when did you first develop an interest in piercing? Or you... um, probably kind of then. It wasn't there wasn't a lot of piercing around. It was just starting to kind of take off, and so um, and where I was, it was quite kind of underground so you know that was where everything if anything was going to happen that was kind of where it happened so within that kind of culture there yeah i mean if you're in manchester at a time especially in that time period as well i mean the the spanaman arrests had literally just happened in in manchester in that period so i imagine finding a piercer must have been something of a challenge but there weren't any yeah there weren't so, um, and then you had uh, Manchester body piercing in the uh, corn exchange. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I was like really good friends with them and still am with the woman that founded that. So, cool. that's, she was one of the founders really back in the early 90s. Cool. Is that how you first got exposed to body modification then, just whilst you were yeah. at university, or was it just piercing? Well, no, or... not at university, because there wasn't really any of it. It was before, because I was at uni in 89, so there wasn't much of it around. Oh, okay. You know, there was a real underground stuff, but, you know, it wasn't, it kind of was more, um, it, it was just starting to sort of take off. And was that just piercing or was that tattoo or other forms of body modification? Or? Yeah, I mean, I was into tattoos before. Um, so as soon as I was 18, I started getting tattoos. And then, you know, the body modification, the kind of, I, it was, that was all quite very, very underground. Um, and then the piercing, I just remember when it started to take off and, uh, you know, it was really interesting, fascinating. Um, and like, and I was in jewellery, and so it was looking at how jewellery's made and how that kind of stuff is made and all that sort of thing, and the, you know, because these are engineered products. So and it was mixing. So what what we started doing was mixing the kind of the silver and the kind of more um, decorative things with the. Um, 
engineered product for VCRs and the rings and stuff and seeing like how can that kind of because we were quite hippie-ish you know how can that kind of work and so it was yeah it was all cool and interesting okay so you actually started making like body jewelry like body jewelry body jewelry rather than um sort of like decorative i never never really know how to describe the difference to be honest uh, but like body jewelry whilst you were whilst you were still up there then that was way before you yeah yeah i mean we were making you know like traditional jewelry it wasn't really very traditional but it was sort of you know kind of hippie sort of silver semi-fresh stones you know so i was doing that and i was um and we were buying the stones i was going out to india and finding stones went to brazil we were going all around the world and sort of doing this stuff getting stones getting them cut getting them made into jewelry so i was doing that and then um then got into how to get body jewelry i remember when you know they first started this is really going back when they were first started trying to get the um steel bars and the silver together to make kind of silver ended navels and they all just kept falling off they couldn't get it to work because of the soldering and so <laughs> and they were piercing people with them and then it would just fall off I mean, it was a nightmare this is like real you know back in the day i mean that wasn't us <laughs> i spent like oh months i was like we were getting little charms and stuff and then i was putting them on bcrs and that's what we used to do because there just wasn't anything okay so you know we had all these little things and then we'd just be putting them on bcrs um to try and get something because there just wasn't much around there wasn't any choice there just wasn't anything you know you had like a barber and a bcr and that was about it yeah yeah it wasn't yeah we probably <laughs> certainly didn't have the selection we have today no did you wear a lot of it yourself or um yeah to some degree I mean, I've never been real hardcore. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not massive into pain and that kind of thing. So I'm not going to hang myself from the rafters with hooks and, you know, but um, I got, yeah, into a certain degree of it. Cool. I mean, I, I'm quite much the same. I'm not particularly heavy, heavily pierced. I'm quite heavily tattooed, but other than that, I don't wear an enormous amount of body jewellery myself. Um, so... I mean, it was obviously a reasonably natural progression towards me, you know, towards starting up wholesale. Um, I mean, do you, was it like, was it planned? Did you think like when you came back from Manchester, you no. thought, oh, I'm going to get into body no, jewelry? No. Or... Um, so what we did was we had shops, we got blown up in the bomb, we then started in the Coliseum and uh, then it kind of took off and we ended up with a shop in the Trafford Centre. And uh, I had this with my previous partner and, you know, and we kind of developed and we got a piercing studio there, but then we split up. And at that point it was, well, who kept the business? And, um, you know, what do you do? So at that point I said, all right, I wasn't going to fight over it um so i said okay you can have it and i'm going to um start wholesaling and that's what i did and so at that point i started wholesale and then i was with brendan as well so then we are in a relationship and that was you know we did it together and 
and then I had kids and um, you know things changed so I wanted to come back down and luckily because because previously I wouldn't have been able to because we had shops so we ended up with shops in the Arndale Centre the Trafford Centre and I couldn't I, I was stuck up there which don't get me wrong like I love Manchester absolutely love it I was there for like 11 12 years yeah but it's you know I had my first child and that changes everything in terms of family and you know and I wanted them to have their grandparents and that kind of thing and so yeah so then we moved back down here okay um I don't know if this is an okay subject for me to touch on. Please do feel if it's not. Um, your first shop was blown up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that must have been a really horrifying experience. Presumably you weren't there yeah, all the time. I mean, time. I wasn't in it when it was blown up. No. But, I mean, knowing that, like... Um, I mean, the other thing I wanted to say... So, this was... Um, what, what, yeah, what, what, what year was that Manchester Corn Exchange bombing? Sorry. God, when was it? That was, do you know what? I don't even know. It must have been about 94, was it? Something like that, 90. I, I think it must have been somewhere around then. Okay. Because, I mean, <laughs> that is, I mean, I can't say that there's probably many people, many piercing people in this industry who have had a shop blown up at some stage. I mean, that's quite a quite a dramatic kind of end to a shop. Yeah, and you moved over I to mean, the, the whole... The whole of the corn exchange got, um, I mean, they used it as an excuse, really, to kind of move us on, because we were all like a bunch of hippies and misfits, Yeah. and they weren't getting an awful lot of rent, and then all of a sudden, the roof had fallen in, because of the bomb, and, uh, and they kicked us out, and they then did it up, probably got a massive insurance job. And um, did it up and got in all the designer shops mm -hmm. and what it is today, you know. And at the time, it was like, well, that's not fair. Um, and it wasn't, but it's life, isn't it? And so you just sort of get on with it. So then we moved to the Coliseum, and so the whole lot, most of the people from the old corn exchange, moved to the Coliseum, and um, and so we rebuilt. Okay. And you ended up in places like. And what was really weird, right? This is so weird, is because they, the Queen came to uh, Manchester, and um, I'm, I'm not particularly a royalist, but because, like, I sort of represented people in the Corn Exchange. They had one person in the Corn Exchange, one person from the Royal Exchange, and one person from the Ardell Centre. We met the Queen, and I got to meet the Queen. I mean, okay. that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. That is so weird. I don't imagine she's met many other people in this industry. Like, that's not... <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. She was very lovely, actually. I have to say, because I, I was quite, you know, not into that kind of thing back, because I, I was young back then in my 20s, early 20s. And I didn't, you know, it's like, okay, you know, meet the Queen, okay, big deal. But she was really lovely, and she was tiny. Really tiny. Yeah, she was little. Um, and I was quite surprised. Yeah, but she actually was very sweet, and so I was like, "Oh, actually, <laughs> you know," because I was kind of a bit anti-establishment. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I was sort of fair play, you know. Cool. Yeah. 
So, I mean, from there... So, with those little weird things? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, from there, you've moved on, you moved on to some, I mean, shopping centres which would, today are extremely prestigious. You would pay millions of pounds a year for a, a, somewhere in the Trafford Centre or the Arndale Centre, right? I guess it was a... I mean, you probably weren't paying millions yeah. of pounds a year in rent. I think I had a very lenient bank manager and we got massively in debt. So okay. me giving up the business, it's like I gave him the choice of either I'll take it and I take the debt or you take it and you take the debt. And he was like, I'll take it. And I was like, okay, but you've got to get me out of the debt then. You know, you've got to take on the debt. And to be honest, we were so in debt because we had expanded into those kind of locations okay. and I think it's incredibly difficult it is incredibly mm. difficult trying to um, run retail and at that point it was quite you know you, you had a greater footfall and whatever now everything's going online it's really difficult and I think piercing is one of the few like piercing and tattooing one of the few industries that can keep the high street alive yeah because what is it we're going to be full of like you know studios and then like coffee shops and uh you know i don't even think the charity shops are going to last are they no state agents are going online you know who's who's going to be left i mean are are the street art studios arms are are pretty always a pretty solid reflection of how the high street is doing because we are very much uh tattoo studios barbers, coffee shops, and um, charity shops, really, and one or two vape shops as well. But, I mean, vape will probably go online before long, you yeah. know, once people kind of start to understand it themselves without having to have someone walk them through it, you know. I think they probably will move online. Um, but you're right, I mean, the, the studio, like, Pearson and Tattoo Studios do seem to weather the high street going through ups and downs much better than any other business because you truly can't do it at home you know you, you might be do able to... it yourself and i mean if you try my god yeah it goes you've got to go wrong. And get it lasered off or you know you're going to the doctor with an infection aren't you yeah exactly that um yeah so i mean we do seem to to, to weather those kind of economic ups and downs a lot better i mean some of the most financially successful studios i know um opened during the was it 2006 2007 2007, 2008, there we go, recession, um, and they're doing phenomenally now, like, you know, it's, like I say, some of the most financially successful ones I know. Um, well, because the other thing is that, I mean, like, in a recession, people, they might not be able to afford the large luxuries, but they will treat themselves to a small luxury, and sometimes a piercing or a tattoo is what they consider as a small luxury, so it is potentially a growth market now i don't know what's going to happen with covid and how we as an industry are going to weather that but you know potentially if people can't go abroad or they can't you know do the sort of things that they want to do then maybe they treat themselves to something else especially piercing yeah. you know if you're wearing a face mask what can you see you can see your ears happy days for us yeah, um, you're not wrong about that as well. And I suppose, like, I often think of, you know, a lot of the sort of more expensive gold pieces I sell as a really big extravagance. If I was to go out and buy, you know, myself a really big, blingy piece of gold body jewellery, 
um, you know, that would be a, a big extravagance for me. But then I suppose to some people, you know, instead of buying a holiday or a car or, you know, a, a piece of clothing that might have cost them several thousand pounds, actually that 500 pound piece of gold maybe doesn't look so expensive next to that. So, yeah, you're probably right, actually. There's, um, <laughs> we'll just benefit from the failing of other industries. <laughs> but do you know what the biggest, um, one of the biggest growth markets in the last recession, um, so that was like sort of uh, 10, uh, 2008-10, was lipstick. Oh. Because people want to treat themselves. Yeah. I know. They want to treat themselves. So they wouldn't be able to treat themselves to something big, but they could treat themselves to a little luxury and it was lipstick. Well, you're not going to be selling much lipstick now, are you? Probably not. No, that's um, that's very true. Probably why we've seen such a massive explosion in eyebrow piercings. Um, I, funny story, yeah. until this year, I hadn't actually performed an eyebrow piercing in about 18 months. Um, and yeah. suddenly they all came flooding back in again. <laughs> was, yeah. Was... yeah. And I think it's come back around again because, you know, it was incredibly popular, sort of eyebrows, belly bars, you know, yeah. nipple piercing, all that stuff. You know, it wasn't mainstream, but it was kind of popular within the sort of alternative sort of genre or whatever. And it then went out and it was just tattooing and tattooing became more and more mainstream and piercing really kind of went down. I'm talking sort of in the noughties through, you know, it kind of, it changed. And then now it's coming back again that it kind of then got popularized and all the ears and all that kind of thing. But I mean, belly bars went right out. People weren't getting their belly button pierced. And now we're starting to see again, you know, people are getting it. And they were, eyebrows went right out. Um, now people are starting to get into belly piercing, eyebrows, nipple, all that stuff is coming back around again. I think tongue piercing's gone out, though. Yeah, tongue piercings was never going to survive this, was it? Um, and um, long may they disappear, because they are horrible. Not horrible to look at, but just... No, I don't think I... I very rarely meet a piercer who's just like, you know what my favourite piercing to perform is? A tongue. Like, they just... They don't say that. I've never met a piercer who says that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But I think that other piercings are definitely coming back in. And I think some of it is this, that people want to do something and it's how to express themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen um, a huge increase in a, a much wider range of piercings. Um, before COVID, like, my entire income was flashy ear stuff, you know? Um, and that has changed massively. I have done more genital piercings this year than I have done in the rest of my career combined. Um, and people do just seem to be experimenting a little bit more with, you know, what they want to actually get pierced um, rather than it just being sort of like helix piercing, helix piercing, helix piercing, helix piercing. I've done... You know, there were definitely days, potentially even weekends in like 2019, 2016, where I don't think I did anything but a helix piercing. Um, mm. And then this year, there have definitely been days, maybe even weeks, where I haven't done a single one. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really been enjoyable to do more sort of diverse piercings throughout the last year. Um, and if masks are, the, you know, the, the reason for that, then long live masks because it's, it's fun, you know. Yeah, I don't think it's just masks. I think it's that 
you know, people can't go and express themselves out with their friends. Yeah. They can't, you know, so then they're locked down and then they kind of open back, back up and it's like, well, okay, let's do something different. And so, yeah, I think people are getting a bit more experimental because they've been locked up, yeah. hopefully. Hopefully they'll be more experimental. Well, they're not going to be able to go back to the pubs again when we reopen. So we'll have a couple of months where they're experiment, where they're you know uh, enjoying the adrenaline of a body piercing rather than going and getting drunk. <laughs> so, um, what what year did you start Body Jewelry Limited then? What? So then started that in about um, two thousand, and uh, we were originally called Amor Jewelry. And then we got sued by a German company, so we had to change our name. Okay. Yeah, and we decided to call it body jewellery because I remember saying, well, no one's going to sue us for body jewellery because that's pretty generic, so let's just call it that. <laughs> okay. And um, was there, like, was it a big, was there a huge business plan behind it or anything like that, or was it quite an organic growth or...? was very organic because I'd done the big business yeah. and you know had the debt to do with that so we grew body jewelry organically we didn't have any debt until this year now <laughs> I think everyone's yeah gone into a little bit yeah and what kind of um, products did you start off with so started off with um started off with some yeah because it was all the uh, belly button piercing and all that kind of thing. So we did that and um, and basic kind of steel and titanium because this is going back quite a long time. And it was finding um, a factory that would actually supply us because it was finding um, engineers, engineering companies. And, you know, they were all pretty tied up. And they didn't want to deal with me as a kind of, like, I was, what, 29, 30-year-old woman? They were all, like, old blokes. They didn't want some okay. girl coming in. And, you know, it's so, but, so Brendan came in and we, we got it sorted and we found, you know, how to do that whole engineering thing and, um, and got on with it, really and then have grown year on year um, since then. So we started incredibly small and just have grown. Cool. So, you know, um, and it is, it is a matter of just like working hard and keeping our heads down, really. We just work and, and kind of want to, you know, enable people to be able to run a business because I know how hard it is to run a business. I know how hard it is to run your own business, and most people don't make it. Yeah, yeah. This um, <laughs> um, yeah. I definitely. I something. <laughs> I go through periods where I'm just like, this week I feel indestructible. Nothing could ever close yeah. this business, and then the next week I'm just like, oh man, I'm gonna have to get a second job. Despite the fact that yeah. the income hasn't actually changed at all, but that's just my emotional kind of week. Oh, in, week it's an emotional roller coaster, yeah. and it's because it's so amazing being able to work for yourself. 
Yeah. You know, and especially in this industry where it's, you know, there's a certain level of freedom of expression and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But also it's so difficult because you have to do everything. You have to do, you know, from the kind of cleaning up to the bookkeeping to then your actual, you know, nine to five job. And usually it isn't nine to five. It's whatever hours you choose to do. And it might be just a few hours here and there, or it might be incredibly long days. It's whatever, you know, that person decides to put in, not just in our industry, but as a whole, anybody that's self-employed. Yeah, Um, certainly becoming like, The, the business bits are certainly, I think, what you, you see a lot of really incredibly, really talented piercers who, I mean, God, you just want to reach out to them and shake them and just be like, see a financial advisor um, <laughs> or see a business advisor. But yeah, sometimes we, we do certainly fall into it. I mean, I am certainly not an expert in both sterilization and accounting. Like, I, yeah. you know, I, I don't think there's any need for it either. You need to be able to sort of delegate and outsource a little bit. Um, as much as I kind of grew up in that kind of punk rock, like DIY or die kind of thing. And I still think it's a, a great to be able to learn all these hundreds of different skills. But I've definitely realized that it's not within my skill set to be able to do every single facet of my business now. No, it isn't. But more and more, especially this generation, it's, you know, social media, so it's the whole branding thing, because it's very... <laughs> changed massively from when we started it was when we started body jewelry it was just you know you wholesale you just get the stuff out and you know it's not branded it's not you know and then in the last sort of decade um and especially the last five years it's really changed that it's all about kind of branding and sort of marketing and it's social media and which the world has changed that way, but piercing has moved with it. Um, and that's a direction that we are having to move in. But um, there's costs obviously involved in that. And you know, if you are piercing and doing all this kind of thing, and then also you are kind of doing your whole social media branding, and which I know people find fun, but for people that are a bit older, it's like really difficult. Oh, I can't stand it. <laughs> It's my least favourite part yeah. of the job is photography and social media. I cannot yeah. stand it at all. And yeah. I, I, I'm not good at it either. Like, I'm kind of acceptable at it. But yeah, it's my very least part of this, favourite part of this job. If I could outsource that, if I could outsource one thing, that would be it. It would be my social media and branding. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. yeah, and it's hard when you're having to then do all these things. Um, I think, like, my kids are, you know teenagers they it's natural for them i mean it's not for me and so for other people of my generation that may have been piercing for like 30 years there's people that have dealt with us for 20 years and that i've known for like 30 years and then they're trying to do all this as well it's like it's then it's not it's not really going to happen for a lot of them and it's hard life just moves on doesn't it and like the industry has moved on it's changed yeah are there any sort of like big milestone moments along the way with body jewelry that or body jewelry limited that um you kind of look back on and kind of go yeah well that was a big change and then you know in 2005 this happened 2010 this happened or you know has it been 
this year because Brendan retired, so it's like I'm now running everything. Um, so that is pretty big. Yeah. Um, and it means that I can um, move the business solely in the direction that I kind of see it going. Um, <laughs> we just used to argue all the time. Okay. So, um, yeah, that makes it a bit easier. Um, I suppose a lot of it is, and this is something that a lot of women will find, that, yeah, when you have kids, it changes your perspective, and, and guys as well, um, but it, it depends on how active the guys are in the kind of care of kids, and I think that is something that I know a lot of tattooists and piercers that I know, they, they are actually active, they are able to be active in their kids' you know, upbringing and looking after them, doing the school runs and all that, because they yeah. can fit it in around being self-employed, which is a great thing with being able to, you know, have your own studio and stuff. But um, so for me, I spent, uh, I kind of, so I was really flat out and then I pulled back a bit because I had two kids and concentrated more on um, just sorting out the kind of designs and the kind of the, sort of the, the jewellery um, rather than the selling part and then um, once they got a little bit older then I came back in like full time flat out okay. and so the last probably eight years I really went at it and it was like yeah right I'm pushing this and let's see how far we can take it and I think that's what caused a lot of friction as well within like my working relationships it's hard working with somebody that you are also in a relationship with yeah i don't doubt um me and um my wife um do do um a, a reasonable amount of um sort of business stuff together but our roles are very separate um because i mean number one like she she's not a piercer her skill set is and i don't think she's really got too much desire to be a piercer but she might correct me on that um uh we our, our roles are very separate which is probably why it works quite nicely you know like i was saying a moment ago that like my i i'm not go not good at social media so she does quite a lot of that and she does a lot of photo editing and things like that because that's pretty good yeah that's that is absolutely where her skill set lies that's not mine at all um but i think if we were both trying to like both you know be a piercer um um yeah i think that would get kind of tricky like we probably step on each other's toes a little bit um okay um so you, sorry did you say that you were um uh, that you were designing a lot of the uh, a lot of body jewelry as well when for, for yeah so we kind of look at sort of different trends and then design things to kind of relate to that so people will also say can you do this can you do that and it's like mm, yeah or no that really isn't going to work right so yeah and that's in terms of designs then so people will contact you with kind of bespoke designs mm. which they'd like to yeah i mean obviously there's cost in, um issues that if there's somebody and they just want something kind of weird 
not cost effective for us it needs to be something because we our prices are the way they are because we deal with volume so we will do sort of 10,000 of something so it's got to be commercially viable otherwise it's not worth us doing it yeah that's that's reasonable um those individual yeah little bespoke pieces are lovely but getting them as a one-off might be uh somewhat challenging i think i'd probably be inclined to send someone towards um like a goldsmith or something like that if i was you know if they were wanting one-off pieces um so one of the reasons that i have got so much time for body jewelry um body jewelry limited is um you are i think and i could be wrong about this but i'm pretty certain the only body jump uh, body (laughs) body jewelry um, company working with um, uh, Titanium, um, who, when approached about making stuff that was that that made that met APP standards, um, agreed and went out and did that. Um, it, I mean, would you talk us through that that process a little bit, like why you made that decision, um, how the process was, um, whether it was something that was actually really quite difficult, or whether it was a surprisingly smooth process, or. Um. Well, I mean, we make jewellery. We've always made titanium. We've always done internal thread. We've, we've been doing internal thread titanium for 20 years. Okay. Um, and so the whole thing with, you know, internal thread, we've been doing it. We just did it with a different thread size. And hence, we've got quite a complicated catalogue now where we've got our original thread size which is one mil which interchange the 1.2 and the 1.6 balls interchange with a one mil thread okay. we've been doing that forever right then we had european that wanted 0.8 which then interchanges with one mil and yeah. then you've got the american stuff which is a 0.9 um but of course you've got um metric and uh you know gauge sizes that they use so they use a different measuring system and it's a bit of a nightmare really so we've ended up with three different thread sizes which is not and we've been running that it just gets so confusing for people that we're now at the point of like yeah we've just got to stop this because you know and also we've spent a lot of time we just like keep running yeah, we have this is this has given us time with lockdown to really assess what the business is doing and you know where we're going. So, you know, we can look at that. So in terms of how difficult it was, you know, we make titanium internal thread jewelry and we've been doing it forever. So that isn't a problem. Um, in terms of, you know, that they want certification and all this kind of thing i mean we get everything assay tested so we meet all the regulation standards for the uk and europe now what they wanted then was mill certificates and there's a different thing altogether in terms of the american thing and so they were quite specific about it had to be american titanium um 
saying, yeah, all right, we can, we can get that, we can do that. But what we're not really set up for is we do not have large amounts of staff. So, yeah, we could do it and go, there you go. And, and that's what we do. But we keep a very, very tight ship in terms of limited staffing, limited costs. And everything is to the bone. And that's how we keep our prices low. The problem we've got is like people wanting certificates sent out willy-nilly and all this kind of thing. That is a problem because we just don't have the staff. You know, we don't have the staff in the offices okay. to actually do all that. Um, so, yeah, it's not a problem, the making and the getting it out. But the problem is the kind of anything additional in the sense of... Um, you know, office admin, because the staff that we had, we were literally just getting stuff out the door and putting the labels on and stuff. So, yeah, I know people have moaned about that. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, um, we'll, t we'll talk about Melsets in, in a little bit. I mean, it, it, if that's okay. Um, we're, um, I mean... You're talking about the APP, which yes. Brendan dealt with, and it was interesting. Yeah, it sounded like it was a reasonably smooth process to kind of go from... Yeah, but we're probably one of the few companies that still manufacture in the UK. You are? Everybody yeah. moved. Everybody moved. I remember when it happened. I remember when China came in back in the end of the 90s. I remember because we would, you know, because I've also done traditional jewellery. And in the early 90s, the chain manufacturers that were in China, in sorry, the chain manufacturers were Italian, and the Italians always made the chains for the world, right? And the chain manufacturers that were Italian started selling the machines to China, and all the chain, the act, so the machine manufacturers, the machines were made in Italy, they sold them to China. Then the people that were making the chains in Italy got really worried because they were like, well, China's going to start doing them. And what's happened? Yeah, China's wiped out a lot of the chains. You've still got the quality chains being made in Italy, but they're undercut. And so then it's like you kind of see the writing on the wall has happened with everything. And so absolutely, me and Brendan want to maintain British manufacturing. That is at the core of our business so yeah we could have taken everything you know wherever but it's about very much part of our business is about trying to maintain british manufacturing and it's not it's more than just body jewelry it's about as a whole that as a country we have to have some kind of manufacturing output Otherwise, economically, you're stuffed. That's uh, no, fair. I, I do. Payments. Yeah. Um, I I do agree that yeah. Um, having um, a uh, a strong British manufacturing industry is um something that um we would very probably struggle economically without. Um, no matter the damage that was done to that industry, sort of under, uh, <laughs> or I'll say in the eighties rather than under Thatcher. But 
Uh, it's the same. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but it's worldwide. It's a worldwide thing that, you know, it's about um, wages and all the rest of it. And manufacturing just went to the Far East. Yeah. Like all manufacturing. So, but what that leaves you with is then then countries specialise in different things. And then when you've got a pandemic like this, you're stuffed because nothing's moving. The ports are, yeah. are shut. So you can't get anything out. But we're able to still keep manufacturing. So That's the same with British manufacturing is being able to meet those standards because you had control over that supply chain in a way that people who were exclusively manufacturing the Far East um, didn't, you know. Um, you were able to kind of meet those standards with, you know, relative ease because you can just approach the manufacturer um, and just say, okay, we want this and we want it done this way, right? Well, what it means is that we're able to um, control everything. Yeah. And we also can get stuff really, really fast. We are able to, you know, that we're out of a particular thing. We can get it on the machines and we can get it done. Yeah, it's just it's the polishing, getting making sure that the polishing is sufficient. But and also we hold a lot of kind of part product, so it's part sort of finished, and then we just finish it off so that we can get a real fast um, manufacturing process on core products, which you just can't do if you're getting everything from you know wherever. Fair. So, when Body Jewelry Limited get bought up um, in industry forums, it does prompt yeah. a lot of discussion. Um, and um, we talked about this um, sort of briefly beforehand because um, I my personal position on it is that if you have feedback, give it to them. <laughs> Don't just talk in industry forums. That's not helping anyone. Um, and then you know if you've got criticisms the company can either take those criticisms and they can ignore them and you don't have to buy from them if you don't want to um it's a reasonably well adjusted system i think but um i guess some people disagree um so um i um i wanted to kind of put to you the three criticisms that i hear most often and one of them i actually truly feel is actually been taken on board and resolved really really nicely um and the first one of those was the polish um, when I first, I started using, um, body jewelry, um, how long ago, two, three years ago now. Um, and, um, polish was okay. It wasn't, you know, the world's best polish, but it, it was, you know, perfectly acceptable. Um, I feel like in the last 12 months, that polish is as good as anyone on the market. Um, good to hear. Thank That's you. It's really nice. <laughs> um, is there like was that intentional was that because you yeah. received the feedback and you kind of we got the feedback so we upped it but what you have to be careful because the polishing um if you over polish then you lose the thread okay so it's all part of the process and also it takes longer the longer you polish so you can't just like polish the hell out of something it's like it has to be so it takes longer um and so, you know, that then adds time, which can add cost. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and I mean, you um, not to go into your processes too much, um, but you you tumble polish, don't you? You don't you don't hand polish. Um, no. I mean, uh, depends on which items. Oh, okay. So there is a there there are hand polished items from. Um, on some of the large gauge and stuff like that. Yeah, you wouldn't want to tumble. You break the tumbler, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, uh, okay, cool. Um, so, I mean, how did you? Um, was it just trial and error to go about kind of refining it, or? Um... Well, we've got engineers that have been like thirty years. Okay. You know, and also, it's like it's the same stuff that, like aerospace and. Um, you know, it's the same titanium that's used in its medical grade, so it's what's used for like dentistry and all that kind yeah. of thing. So, you know, we've got really experienced people that have been doing it a very, very, very long time. Cool. We're all, we're all old. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you receive that feedback? Was it, um, were there a lot of people just emailing in, or no. was it a relatively small? It was very small, but, you know, explained. And it was like, okay, let's see what we can do. Cool. And also, you see, this is it's like competition as well. And I think competition is really healthy because it does make you up your game. And so, you know, there were sort of people going on about it, like competitors or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, then, well, let's look at that. Okay. So as the industry has kind of moved towards those standards as well, you've kind of, it's not just been... And we, you know, try and meet them. Cool. I mean, I think you've been really successful in it. The big one that always comes up is selling unverified products next to, next to verified products. I mean, do you feel like you have to defend that at all? Or as far as you're concerned, well... Can you, I mean, can you ever envision a scenario where you would say, like, okay, you know what, all right, we're going to only supply a jewellery which meets APP and UK APP standard? Or do you think you probably would always? Well, I think what it is is that it's about brands. And this is the direction that we're going in, is that, you know, because the industry is changing, which is good. You know, I mean, everything needs to be dynamic and change needs to happen. So, you know, it's that maybe we kind of have one line that then is a separate entity, which is APP. Um, and then there's other stuff, which is okay for, you know, shops and whatever, but it's, so it's it's different stuff. Okay. Maybe maybe it's kind of along those lines. Um, and at the moment, because of how we were set up, it's like we just kind of sold everything, and then people chose what they wanted. Um, so you know, if that if the way it's going is to brand and have it sort of more segregated then if that's what people want then maybe that's what the direction that we go in cool well thank you for answering that i really do appreciate it um like i say it comes up and um i think it, it 
it's great that you've you've answered that so honestly and openly because uh, you know there's a lot of companies if i worked for i don't know like trying to think of a different um if i was a hairdresser and i had you know a hair dye i don't believe that many of those companies would be as open and honest as a lot of body jewelry companies are and especially especially you lot um in talking about the ways that they're manufactured and how they're meeting those kind of needs um there's a lot more secrecy i think in a lot of industries than there are there is in ours and it's i think it's i personally think it's a real credit to your company but also just the industry as a whole that everyone's got that great kind of relationship where they can talk about these things um so yeah i really do appreciate it thank you for for answering that one i mean it's a great industry i love our industry absolutely love it i love the people you know i think that it's we're really cool down to the worth people to get on with um and yeah i wouldn't want to be doing anything else and so it's kind of it's understanding i suppose where we come from that we were a wholesaler and they're in the old days wholesalers just had everything you know and then you'd go over there and that would be the posh bit and then you'd go to that bit and that would be you know your other bit and then that bit would be and that was how it was that was how wholesalers were and a lot of them aren't going anymore you know or they've changed or whatever you know it's things have changed a lot of them have probably retired <laughs> so um yeah and we have to move we have to change with the times and so it's like it's not that it's just unbranded and you just go in and that's what you've got it's it's now about this whole kind of branding and and creating you know a range and and so i get that and so it's just catching up with with what people want and if that's what they want and they want to know that that is verified and that is that range then yeah cool it's just you know it'll just take a little while to get it sorted but yeah we can do that cool um so happier topic do you want to talk to us about um the future you've got your um new website launching in a few hours um yeah <laughs> um, can you talk us through that process what was the um how, how long has this taken i mean it must have taken a horrible amount of time um and i mean what was the catalyst like why did you think like you know what our website's a little bit we need a new website our website was 20 years old i mean it was just horrendous i mean everybody knows that it's amazing that you know anybody still <laughs> deals with us with that website it was just awful it was awful and it had grown like us organically over those 20 years <laughs> it was just creaking it couldn't manage the amount of stock it couldn't manage um oh it was just awful so sort of two years this has taken and i mean at one point because like with body jewelry you've got all those variations you've got all the size you've got the gem colors you've got you know all sizes and each product then becomes a unique product of its own so like we had about two thousand different variations of barbells which really is one product yeah 
And when you do that across the board on all the different products and the variations, it becomes huge. And so at one point we had, I think, half a million variations. Wow. And we had put them in. I'd done the website, like, in terms of entering the date, I've done it all. Like, you know, just kind of bunged it in. I'd just been putting stuff in and not, it wasn't done through like a spreadsheet. So it was information that was put in individually. And it meant that basically it was a load of rubbish when you tried to get it out. It was horrendous. So we ended up with just this big dump and um, had to work through it, which is what we've done, but it just took a very long time. So now we've got a Magento site and hopefully it will make things easier for people because I know people were struggling and we really appreciate, really, really, really appreciate that people have stayed with us and put up with it um, because I know it's not been easy. Well, um, probably a controversial opinion, I actually don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I didn't like, I mean, like it was um, the only, it, when I first started using it, it had this weird glitch sometimes where you'd fill your basket and it would kick everything out of the basket. But yeah. that's not happened to me in at least 12 months. <laughs> so I'm assuming that you made some kind of improvement to the infrastructure well, there. Yeah, we did. But the problem is that then if you get a large order with a lot of different variations, Okay. Um, then you start coming into problems. Okay. If you're kind of a piercer that just is using like a few products and you're doing multiples of that, it's not so bad. Okay. But for like people with websites that are buying loads of little different things, it's still a nightmare. So, you know, but it you got hopefully that. now sorted. And one of the big changes is you're going to have to have a login, right? No one's going to be able to see pricing or anything like that anymore without without a login? Yeah. Cool. And that was another thing that people said. And again, it's like going back because we had a lot of people and they didn't want a login and we tried to bring in logins and then we had people moaning about that because they couldn't remember what they were and they just got fed up and they didn't want to have a login. So it's like one of those things that you just can't please everyone, but we've moved over to it now, so it's kind of tough, really. And you've been, like, um, you, you, you generated everyone, every previous user, a login too, right? So it's not like anyone's actually had to go through that laborious step of, I mean, it's not even that laborious, just setting up a web, setting up a, a, a user account. But, because um, I, I mean, I've, I've had a couple of emails off you um, to say that, like, hey, here's your new login for the site, so... Yeah, you can't face too much criticism for people. No, we've tried to. People are going to have to check because the other problem, because of COVID, people have been having stuff sent to their home address. And yeah. so we tried to put the studio addresses in, but we might have a few home addresses. So they need to check their addresses and make sure that it's going to the place where they want it to go to. Um, and they will need to put a password in. So they'll have to go to password reset. But yeah, I mean, it's like, it's one of those things and it's, we were able to do a lot of this because of lockdown. We didn't have an awful lot else to do. You know, we've been um, tidying everything up right across the board. Okay. And your, um, your, your, I mean, your gold range went 
uh, went behind the login quite a while ago now, didn't it? Um, was that a, a, a big task or was that a relatively... No, um, not really. That it's. I mean, we've kind of, like I say, been trying to move towards a login um, and we had some customers screaming at us for it and others, every time we tried to bring it in, screaming that they didn't like it. And I think because of the site we had, it was more difficult, but hopefully now um you know it's just one of those things and people will have to try and work with it but i think because it's a newer sort of site and it's a newer technology that it should work okay for them cool and also there's an app there'll be an app there's gonna be an app yeah oh okay is that launching tomorrow as well or is that I think that'll probably be a week or so just because we want to get this through and then, but it is a separate app that will sit on a different server. So it shouldn't affect, you know, if everybody's using stuff. Okay. Well, that's cool. Oh. Um, so what about the future product wise? Have you got, um, I know the last 12 months at least, you've really rapidly expanded Threadless. Um, yeah. Is that something you're expanding further? Or? Yeah. yeah, we want to really expand that. And so the latest thing that's coming out is in the Tish range, we're doing a big gold threadless range, which we've actually got, but we're launching it with the new sign. Oh, okay. So, ah, oh, that's a shame. I could have announced, I should have put, it, put this out tonight, I could have announced it. <laughs> so we've got it, and I've been sitting on it for a bit, really, because, and it's just, no we'll just launch it all together and um it's yeah when you look because one of the criticisms that i think you were going to ask was about our pricing that how do we you know how are we as competitive as we are but when you look back i mean we were one of the disruptors i suppose to the industry that we came in when we came in sort of 20 years ago and we did price very um competitively at that point and we've always tried to price competitively and so you look at our original um thread not threadless sorry our original internal thread and it is priced similarly you know there's like 5p different or whatever to our american thread you know 0.9 thread um, so we've always had that pricing, always. Um, and in our gold, you look at our gold, our gold is very competitive. And that's how mm. we try and kind of, it's how we've been successful. Yeah. And like I say, for, for me, it's about trying to help people to run their business. Because I come from a retail background, and I had 10 years in retail and, you know, with a studio and stuff that it's, I know what you need. I know what I needed and it was to get the stuff fast and it was to have a reliable, good quality, reasonably priced product that I know will turn up really fast. And so that is, that is what we've tried to create yeah cool i mean you've been successful at it um 
like you, you I mean you I'm are competitive like yeah, price wise you are certainly competitive you know there's no um, no dispute in that um, and you, you obviously continue to, to plan to be like that in the future you're not thinking of yeah. um, I think one question I, I, I would like to maybe backtrack a little bit when did you add the Tish range because it was by the time I got to wholesale you were already sell, selling it um Right, so, I mean, we used to do gold a long time ago, like I said, and it just, you couldn't give it away for love nor money. Off, you know, it, it was popular, like, way, you know, way back, and um, we're talking in the 90s, and then it just, nobody wanted it. So, you know, we were sitting on stuff, and it's like, we'd hardly sell any. People did not want to be paying that kind of amount for body jewellery. Um, and, like, we were saying about Maria Tash previously, um, before you started recording, that you know, fair play to her, whatever people want to say, um, you know, it's brought the industry up. It has brought the industry up a level, and I think it's taken it more mainstream. That people then now want to um, are, are willing to pay that kind of amount piece of body jewelry now it's chicken and egg isn't it maybe yeah. she just got in there first and it was coming anyway or maybe she's helped to create it but um you know definitely there is a market for luxury higher quality jewelry and what i saw was that you know there was this stuff and we had previously you know i've produced gold and done gold and all the rest of it, you know, and I know the process of it. So, you know, let's do that and let's create a brand that piercers can sell at a reasonable price so they're actually able to compete with the likes of Maria Tash or, you know, whatever else. And they can supply people and pierce people with beautiful jewellery but get it at a reasonable cost so that they can compete with any of these sort of luxury brands. Cool. Okay. Well, it was, well, I don't know, you asked, I've got completely off the point, you asked how long ago. I think it was probably about five years. Okay. It kind of coincides with that kind of, I always think of like the luxury body market and body jewellery market in the UK starting around about 2015. You know, there were people who were doing it before, but they were, the market really seemed to explode around that that time, um, so I suppose you were quite you're quite on trend there. You seem to get with it pretty, you know, pretty much. Well, as we it were always now. doing gold. We've done gold for twenty years. I've done gold body jewelry for like twenty six years. Wow. So it's I've always done it, um, and we still did it prior to the Tish range. It's just it wasn't as much yeah. and we hadn't branded it and it was quite funny because when it first sort of came out people didn't know who it was or what it was or you know that's yeah. all quite <laughs> funny really but, and um, yeah and we looked at what we were selling in titanium and in steel and all the rest of it and it's like right okay well let's make it gold then simple as that cool. and it, it, people seem to like it is glass coming back at any stage? I do miss glass. Every so occasion they need glass plugs and I'm just like, oh, so oh no, they've just stopped selling it. <laughs> We've got loads if you want any. We are selling 
loads of stuff off. Is it? Way below cost. Wonderful. <laughs> I mean, we've had glass. We've got masses of it. So we're selling it all off. Um, and then we will have a small range of stuff. Yeah. Because um, we just have too much of all sorts of stuff. Um, but, yeah, so you can buy, like, bags full of it. Really? You're into it. Yeah, I just always like just single flare glass plugs, because like those are the things you want to sell to people when they're like when they're stretching. And I really mm. don't sell like I don't stock tunnels at all. That's how rarely I get asked for it. Um, but you like when someone's goal size is like what like an inch or above. I always struggle with the idea that you're gonna try and like you don't want to sell them like a really expensive pair of plugs that they're only gonna wear for what like eight weeks, three months, maybe six months at the most. Um, and to be able to offer them like a competitively priced single flare glass tunnel. Um, yeah, um, I'm very excited to know that I could potentially get bags of that from you. That would be great. Um, See, so I think I'll probably wrap it up a little bit there. Um, is there anything you'd like to add or? if you want to be on that cool um, so what's the new website address is it the same as the old one same as the old one yeah yeah and so we're just hoping it's easier for people to order that you know it's easier to find products and it's got real time stock which we are in the process of kind of doing in the next so it's still there's going to be a slight sort of um, time lag but we're getting on top of it so then people will be able to um, see like if we're out of stock of something and so it causes less problems and we'll have a better idea of you know what we're where we're at <laughs> cool all right Tash. well um thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it brilliant thank you thanks for asking me it's been really really cool and um yeah i just want to say that um you know we do really appreciate our customers and like i said before it, you know, Pierce's are great people on the whole, and I just feel that we've been really blessed to have been in this industry. So it's like a big thank you to everyone, and I just really hope that people are able to come through this because it's been such a tough time. And I know a lot of people have not been able to get the financial support um, because of the way that people have their businesses set up and everything. 
and so you know we really hope that um you know people are able to come out the other side of it and, and get going again yeah um I, i'm confident we see like i said we were saying earlier we're an industry that seemed to to bounce back pretty solidly so feel confident yeah. that everyone I know. people are pretty resilient aren't they yeah in our game. <laughs> all right well thanks for coming on Okay, so that was this week's episode with Tash. Um, I hope you, you all really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a really great interview. Um, and um, I'm really glad that I got to be a part of it. Um, I do want to clarify one thing <laughs> that I say in the interview um, with regard to um, uh, jewellery companies not you know, meeting your own personal standard and you know you can uh, buy from them or not. And it's a, it's a relatively good system. Um, I will say that I only extend that to companies who provide um, safe body jewelry. Um, for example, Body Jewel, uh, uh, Body Jewelry Limited do supply um, things which are only suitable for heel piercings, um, and then they provide implant grade stuff um, as well, which comes with all the relevant mill certificates and everything to prove it. Um, there are certainly companies out there um, who are, you know, pretty well known and widely stocked um, in the industry. Um, especially in Britain, um, who are either outright lying about their mill certificates or they will give something that kind of looks like a mill certificate that we all know and they know just frankly is not up to par, it doesn't meet standard, um, and that they outright know that uh, what they're providing is not safe and yet they're claiming, that it, claiming it is anyway. Um, those companies, um, I have no... There's no, oh, buy for them more, don't, they just flat out shouldn't exist, they should shut down and, and, and give up on what they're doing. Um, anyway, um, if you want to just like the cheerio note, um, the wholesale's website's now launched. Um, I think there have been a few issues with, um, uh, with, with, with resetting passwords, so I think the idea is, is that if you are having issues with those, um, just drop, um, uh, drop wholesale team um, uh, an email and um, they'll get that sorted out for you. Um, uh, this Friday's roundtable, I'm not actually hosting. Um, uh, this is going to be someone else, and um, I won't announce it too much here because I imagine I'll probably want to announce it themselves. Um, but I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's really going to be a good one. Um, so um, come along Friday night, nine o'clock, on just appears to hang out. Um, I look forward to seeing you there.